The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. In northeastern or northwestern Wyoming, just outside Cody, uh, there is a retreat center owned by the Diocese of Wyoming called Thomas the Apostle Center. It's named after Thomas from today's gospel. And there's a, I think it's about three quarters life-size statue outside one of the buildings of Jesus and Thomas. Thomas is down on his knees with his arms reached out to Jesus and Jesus is showing him, you know, the, the marks in his wrist and his side. And basically it's the scene that's depicted in today's gospel where Jesus is showing Thomas the marks. And it's really kind of a moving, powerful statue. Now Thomas gets kind of a bad rap. You know, doubting Thomas is how he's always referred to. You know, and the reason why he gets kind of this bad rap is we get this notion that doubting God or doubting Jesus is somehow a bad thing. And that how Thomas somehow was in the wrong for not believing the other disciples when they told him, we have seen Jesus. Well, you know, for, for one thing, people don't just raise from the dead every day. You know, it's not a common occurrence. But, Thomas, wasn't a bad person for not believing right off. The disciples 
we're in a lot of fear right after the death and resurrection. They had followed Jesus during his entire earthly ministry and then during the events of the final week, the trial, the crucifixion, you know, the days between the crucifixion and resurrection and even the days after the resurrection, the disciples were in fear for their own lives. They were afraid that they were going to get arrested, tried, probably crucified themselves, since that was a standard method of execution that the Roman Empire used. They were in hiding. They were afraid for their own lives. They weren't going to go out and about, you know, they weren't ready to go out and about and proclaim Christ crucified at that time. So, Thomas not exactly believing what the disciples told him when he came back from wherever he was, was a perfectly natural, normal human reaction. It's a reaction that probably any one of us would have had. Yeah, right. Yeah, people don't just get up and walk from the dead. It just doesn't happen. Perfectly natural and normal. What's amazing about this story, and what I think is the story to take, the thing to take away from this story, is how Jesus responds to Thomas. Not with criticism, not with anger, not with, oh Thomas, you're just being silly, but with love. Jesus was right there for Thomas. He was ready to greet Thomas. He was ready to meet Thomas where Thomas was. He was there with Thomas. I'm gonna tell you a couple little stories, and these stories are about me. And I'm not telling these stories to be egotistical. I sometimes joke that Whenever I give my spiritual autobiography, it takes a couple hours and a pitcher of margaritas. If you've ever done EFM, Education for Ministry, you know that one of the first things you have to do during the year is that you have to give your spiritual autobiography. You have to give a little 10-minute spiel about who you are and, and you know, your walk with Christ and where you've kind of come from and why you're here and, you know, just kind of your, your spiritual life. That's your spiritual autobiography. Well, you know, mine's kind of a convoluted path, a long and winding road in the words of the Beatles. I wasn't, a, I haven't always been an Episcopalian. Yet during a time when I was married to my first husband, we went to a Pentecostal church for a while. It's fine. The problem, which wasn't with the Pentecostal church, the problem was my first husband turned out to have bipolar disorder with psychotic features. And one of the ways that his bipolar disorder manifests is grandiosity and hyper-religiosity. He used to think that, you know, particularly when he was in a manic episode, 
that he was called to have this big ministry, this big healing ministry, and he would go into mental hospitals and heal all the people in mental hospitals. Little ironic when you think about it. And so when he had, you know, he had a horrible mixed episode, which basically is mania with depressive features, and he had psychotic features on top of that, and ended up in the hospital, wouldn't take his medications, and our son was five at the time. And, you know, that's kind of what led to the end of our marriage. It's a long story, which I won't go into right now, but the short version is he'd been having this grandiosity and hyper-religiosity episode leading up to all of this. And then he ends up in the hospital, you know, gets this di diagnosis of bipolar one with psychotic features, and my world just kind of came crashing down. He wouldn't take his medication, and you know, that was, that was kind of the deal breaker for me. So, one thing that came out of that was I stopped going to church. I just didn't really know how to deal with all of this. In retrospect, I was kind of dealing with the classic problem called theodicy. How does a good and loving and all-knowing and all-powerful God allow bad things to happen in the world? That's the topic of the book of Job. In pop cult, popular culture, it's the topic of a book by the rabbi Harold Kushner called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. I think Father Mark has referenced that book from time to time. It's a book by a, ra a Jewish rabbi whose young son had an incurable disease called progeria, which causes premature aging, you know, very rapid premature aging. And children, it, it's incurable, invariably fatal. Children usually don't live beyond you know, late childhood, early adolescence. It's, you know, very tragic disease. And this rabbi had to deal with this issue of why did God allow this to happen to his family, and in particular, to an innocent child. So I was kind of dealing with this in my own life. And how I kind of dealt with it at that time was I just kind of checked out of church. That didn't really mean I completely checked out of spirituality. I found myself reading some books by Buddhist thought leaders like Thich Nhat Hanh, Pema Chodron, people like that. And that's kind of what got me through for about three years before I started kind of tiptoeing back into church. Kind of tiptoed into uh, the, the, the universalist, uni Unitarian Universalist Church in Casper for a little bit, then went to the United Church of Christ Church in Casper. Then after a few years, I finally wandered into one of the Episcopal churches in Casper and never looked back. So that's kind of a little bit of the short version of my spiritual autobiography, but part of that story is that I doubted for a long time. I went through a really long season in the desert. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time going, you know, why 
has God allowed this to happen to my family, particularly my five-year-old son? You know, why is this happening to us? But after that season of being in the desert, when I finally was able to go back to church, you wanna know what I realized? God was still there. Jesus was still there. Jesus was there waiting for me. Jesus never gave up on me. Jesus knew that I had to have that time in the desert because I'd had this traumatic episode in my life that had kind of rocked my world and that I needed that time to heal. That I just needed that time away and that time, that time to explore spirituality in other ways so that I could meet Jesus again when I was ready. And that's where Thomas is. Thomas, Thomas's world was rocked, along with the other disciples. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, greeted as a conquering hero. Hosanna, greeted with palms, with, with the shouts of joy. We know what happened a few days after that. Thomas, along with the other disciples, found themselves in hiding, afraid for their lives. Thomas didn't get to see the risen Christ as soon as the other disciples. He wasn't ready when they told him, we saw the risen Christ. He was still in fear. His world was still rocked. But when he finally saw the risen Christ, Jesus was ready for him. And that I think is the message of today's gospel. There's gonna be times in our lives when we have these desert moments, these moments when something happens in our lives that rocks our faith, that rocks our world. When something happens that makes us question, where is God in all of this? Why is God allowing this to happen? It can be a medical diagnosis. It can be a car wreck. You know, we're looking at what's happening in Ukraine. How, why is God allowing Putin to ravage a nation of 40 million that hasn't done anything to hurt Russia? But the thing is, God is still there. Jesus is still there. The Holy Spirit is still here. And just as Jesus waited for Thomas with open arms, 
Jesus waits for us and with us with open arms. Amen.